Welcome to Rivers in the Desert International, a revival ministry dedicated to bringing the living waters of God's love to a hurting and dying world. It is our desire as you listen to the following message that the Holy Spirit will fill you afresh and that you would be ignited into a fervency for Jesus. This is the day to be filled with the knowledge of His glory as the waters cover the sea. God is doing something new on planet Earth today, and you and I have the great privilege to be a part of it. We love you. Be blessed. Shalom, friends. This is Scott Holtz with Rivers in the Desert International. We greet you, Mega and Rob Shalom, from Israel. Hallelujah. Where it all began and where it's all going to end. Glory to God. Um, Let me share with you some scriptures here to uh, give you a maintenance, refreshing, change your oil, flush your radiator, get your mind renewed. Hallelujah. To what is transpiring here. Today's message and podcast coming to you is called The Anatomy of a Counter-Strike. There's some really exciting counterterrorism, supernatural miracles that happened last week. And I want to first talk about the Word of God says about certain things to get you guys primed. Uh, not just, uh, you know, there's a lot of emphasis on getting your body healed. I mean, listen, we have certain Christian, well-meaning Christian Bible teachers, programs, uh, healing evangelists, etc., that are piping their uh, broadcast into Israel via the cable satellite TV network system. And I watch it occasionally, and I don't, it doesn't capture my attention for a long time because, number one, and again, don't throw the baby with the bathwater. Don't blow head gaskets, what I'm saying here. Just understand where we have to recalibrate ourselves in this hour, okay? Most of the messages you're going to hear uh, out of the Christian bookstore, the, the popular Christian gatherings, um, the TV ministries, etc., is based on an ear-tickling message about self. Now, whether that be a delusional love of self and delusional false teaching, that's one epic. But other, what about just babyhood Christianity, where people get born again and they never seem to graduate from the milk into the meat of the Word? And where that graduation point happens is the ceremony called Gethsemane, which is the olive press, not too far here from my house. In Jerusalem, across the valley, is a um, garden that was called in biblical times Gethsemane. It's Aramaic, which means the olive press. So Jesus pressed out his own will. God didn't do it. Jesus, the man, the word made flesh, pressed out his own will in the garden. Now, everybody was following his miracles, following the bread, the multiplication of the loaves, uh, wanting to make him king, etc. But in that hour of testing, he was allowed by God to go through a season of testing, okay, to be not just a sacrificial lamb, but to provide us the entryway into the glory realm, not just being born again and going to heaven in the future, but being Holy Ghost mobile tabernacles here to do the greater works, hallelujah, until he returns. And that ceremony, that key is what I call Gethsemane, the olive press, where people, maybe even friends, whatever, they're so full of sorrow because they see a certain path you're going down, scum of the earth. And in that place, you wrestle, not with God, not with the devil, but you wrestle with yourself, your will. And that you come to that point where Jesus said, Yeshua, the Messiah, said, Lord, not my will, your will be done. Remember we prayed right before that, you know, Lord. And the, the prayer was so intense that out of his sweat glands came as drops of blood. People talk about the blood that Jesus shed at Calvary. What about the blood he shed in the garden? And it's in that place he was resisting sin, um, the sin of wanting not to do God's will. He was sinless, he was blameless, and he was being tempted to sin to do his will. Now, why am I emphasizing our will? Well, he said, Abba, take this cup from me. Here is the Son of God, the God in the flesh, the Word, Logos, made flesh. He even did not want to do it. He said, Abba, not my will, but your will be done. So when you get to that place that you don't want to do it, and yet 
you cross over and say, Lord, not my will, your will be done. You have just left babyhood, okay, nursery rhymes, milk toast, okay, feeding sessions, which is the most of what we see in, in the Western Christianity today. Everybody's emphasizing me and I, and how do I get my healing? How do I get blessed? How do I prosper? How to pay off? I, 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 and it falls in line with the iPad and the iPhone, okay? When we get out of the I syndrome, okay? And most people are helping others and serving others because I want to be blessed. Come on, folks. You got to graduate out of this infantile place of relationship with the Lord into maturity and this strong meat. This place is to do war with your lower nature like Romans 7 and 8 says Paul talks about. And by the Spirit you put to death, you mortify the deeds of the lower nature. Glory to God. And all who are being led by the Spirit into this Gethsemane lifestyle they are the true sons and daughters of God. Why? Because Paul says here in 2 Timothy chapter 3 he's passing the baton of apostolic leadership off to younger Timothy before Paul is martyred here. And he says, recognize this. Wake up. In the last days, perilous, dangerous times will come for men will be lovers yourself. Okay? He didn't start with men being uh, haters of good or brutal or impure or violent or or, um, stiff-necked. Okay? He began with lovers of self. And without a doubt, that's all we're hearing right now. People are doing what is right in their own eyes. Now, so what do we do? We die to self. And how do you die to self? You recognize the place God's put you in, and you make the willful decision, not God. You make the willful decision, Lord, not my will, your will be done. And things just take off. The dominoes fall, doors open, doors close. God's supernatural provision comes in for you when you make that ultimate bungee jump. Hallelujah. I'm no longer just being a child of God, but now a bondservant of God. Now, what we have to be aware of in this hour, and I'm going to be talking about this anatomy of a counterstrike in just a moment. What we have to be aware of is not everybody that's your friend is going to continue to run with you in this hour. I'm finding one of the greatest obstacles to living this Gethsemane scum of the earth lifestyle, hallelujah, that Paul talks about we should enjoin and follow him in 1 Corinthians 4, is this place where people have a form of godliness, but deny the power thereof. Now it's funny, I was sharing this text with my uh, three youngest in a Bible study this week here at our house, and uh, my youngest daughter perked up and says, ah, but that's everybody I know. That's all of my friends. That's all of Israel. (laughs) And she's exactly right. There's people here have a form, whether it be Christians, whether it be Messianic Jews, whether it be Catholics, whether it be conservadox, orthodox, reform, Hasidic, Muslim, whatever. They're here and they have a form of godliness and deny the power thereof. What is the power thereof? They're denying the Holy Spirit, denying miracles? No, no, no. Most of those people are seeking and praying for miracles. What they're denying is the power, the residue of living a godly lifestyle. And most people do not want to live in holiness. They do not want to live a Gethsemane lifestyle. They do not want to live the mystery of godliness that Paul talks about. And they want to have their own form of godliness and they deny that power. So where does this power come in? People say, Scott, man, there's so many signs and wonders and exciting adventures going on with you guys. Um, how can I get that? And I, I say it's real simple. Just live holy. Live right. Live pure. Live blameless. Hallelujah. Don't push yourself forward. Take the back seat. Like, glory to God. Become the scum of the earth. The dredge of all things. Go outside the camp suffering his reproach. Hallelujah. Let people hate you without cause. Because they hated him without cause. Live in this place of purity and holiness. Purify yourself for master's use. Okay? There's, in the house, there's many clean and unclean vessels, Paul talks about. Purify yourself. Prepare yourself. And as you live this purified lifestyle, hallelujah, I ain't talking about a religious lifestyle, a, a weird uh, religiosity. I'm talking about where you just love him so much. Hallelujah. And you don't want anything to grieve him. Your best friend is the Holy Spirit. And you recognize by living this pure, clean lifestyle, hallelujah, 
that there is a residue, there is a fruit of supernatural power, which Hebrews 4 says is the power of the age to come. Hebrews 6, excuse me, is the power of the ages to come. Hallelujah. So Paul enjoins Timothy, and I think he's saying the same thing to us, is that avoid such people as this. People that just want to have their ears tickled. You know, I was, I was in the States um, a couple months ago, and I went to the Christian bookstore, and I just went through these places. I, I looked at the Christian, you know, I went to the different churches, and I was just amazed. I was like, everything is like people, what, what the hell, they want to tickle their ears. Now, I understand God wants us healed. He wants us to be prospered. He wants us to have success when our family's saved. I understand all this. But why don't we hear the message of the cross more? Why don't we hear a message of Gethsemane? Why do we always hear I, 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 my life, my dream, my destiny? Why are we feeding people, especially if ministers are listening, why are we feeding them what tickles their ears? Why don't we feed them what stabs them in the heart? Hallelujah. That cuts them open from belly to sternum to expose the hidden thoughts and intents of their heart. I don't want to have itching ears, okay? Paul says here, in the strongest sense to Timothy, from such turn away. You're going to have to drop the battle axe on some friendships and some relationships and associations that you have with people that have a form of godliness but deny the power thereof. And Paul says in the strongest language um, to run away with horror. The same way you would run away from from a viper. If you walk in the kitchen and suddenly saw a viper in your kitchen, you would scream with fear. The natural response is and that's the same way we have to deal with these people that have a form of godliness and deny the power of the earth. They do not want to live holy. They are living their own form of godliness. The Bible says, run away in terror. And you can read the rest of that. Now, it's really interesting that in this place, hallelujah, of living right, living holy, that you're going to start hearing God's heart. And God's heart is to make you a fully fitted rescue boat, hallelujah, a Holy Ghost battle axe to go and do things to set people free. Now, not just to continually set yourself free and yourself getting healed, etc., but to move into a place of supernatural divine health. Now, I've noticed that, you know, I used to have problems all the time physically. I mean, not big problems, but, you know, allergies or hay fever or catching colds and flu or just all these things, you know. And I noticed that when I eventually, four years ago, made my will, his will, a place of supernatural rest, supernatural faith, supernatural healing, supernatural provision, supernatural exploits, supernatural athletic exploits, supernatural movements of the Holy Spirit. Where I don't have to pray and fast for 40 days until I'm so skinny I have to dance in the shower to get wet just to try to get something from God. Hallelujah. It's more like a 40-second, here am I, Lord, let's do it. Hallelujah. Instead of a, a 40-day fast until I'm skin and bones. You understand what I'm saying out there? Glory to God. So my job with this podcast is not just to preach to the choir. My job of this podcast is to activate the believers out there, to activate you. I love what I heard once that there comes a time in people's life where they have two choices. They take the their God-given talents and giftings that God has given you to serve themselves, to pursue their own desires, or they take those God-given gifts and talents and employ them to serve others. I've decided to do number two. It's the greatest place of joy I've ever known. Hallelujah. It is awesome. And, you know, I can smell that self. I can smell that self-centeredness and self-destiny message. You know, I run here early in the mornings, and there's a certain house I run past here in Israel where they have a problem with their sewer. And you can just smell the open sewer coming from this house down the street here. And that's what it is. When I, when I get around believers that should be mature, that should be on fire, that should be um, moving into the deeper things of God, according to Hebrews chapter 6, I can smell the open sewer of self. I can smell that it's all about them and their ministry and their family. And they haven't yet graduated Past the ceremony, come on, hallelujah, of Lord, not my will, your will be done. You're going to notice when you want to do God's will, he'll show you what your will is. 
And God's will in this hour, I can hear without a doubt, is for me and for you out there is coming throughout the pages of the scriptures. It's not coming necessarily through dreams and prophecies and from other people. Okay, Don't live by dreams and prophecies from other people. Those are finest secondary confirmations. Okay, But you get your manna directly from God because there's many false prophets out there and false messiahs. You know, um, the Lord had told us to blow the shofar at Rabbi Menachem Schneerson's Lubavitch World Headquarters in the mid-90s and then proclaimed that he was a false prophet and he died 60 seconds later. And we were on our way to our daughter's uh, graduation for her um, first few weeks of the military. They had a special graduation leaving boot camping and being in, uh, given a manila envelope where she's going to go and serve in the armed forces and she's going to be serving in the, in the Air Force. And we're really excited for her. Hallelujah. So on the way there, we stopped and um, to grab some fast food. Uh, and right there was this rabbi. And I noticed he had a trailer that was outfitted uh, to do penotifillin, do mitzvot, whatever, study the Torah. And the rabbi's writings called the Talmud and Mishnah Gemara. And right there on the side, it was a big picture of Rabbi Menachem Schneerson. And it said in Hebrew, may, may our Messiah live forever and ever. And I went, these guys still believe this guy's the Messiah? And so the rabbi said, come here, come here, put on tefillin. And I said, no, no, I'm not going to put on tefillin and because I am the one who blew the shofar when Rabbi Schneerson died. And he was shocked, and he looked at me. And it was so funny that um, in the process, I started asking him, I said, what about, the, you, right here in Hebrew, you're saying that he's the Messiah? And I'm not talking about they thought of him as a prototype or a forerunner of the Messiah. He says, no, Rabbi Schneerson, who's been dead for, you know, almost 15 years now, he is the Messiah. I said, you kidding me? No, he is going to rise from the dead and he is our Messiah. And I said to Dalit later, when she came out with the fast food and we had to take off to this army ceremony, I said, these people aren't just deluded. They actually, are fa- they actually have drunken the Kool-Aid. They're actually a false prophetic cult. These Lubavitch. And that's what's happening these last days. There's a false prophetic movement, okay, within Judaism, within the church. And you've got to be really careful. And you've got to be wise as serpents, harmless as doves. What is God's will in this hour? Where we see in Psalm 72, it says, it's just awesome. Verse 10, let the kings of Tarshish and the islands bring presents. The kings of Sheba and Sheba offer gifts. Let all kings bow down before him. All nations serve him. For he will deliver the needy when he cries for help. The afflicted also, and him who has no helper. He will have compassion on the poor and needy. And the lives of the needy he will save. He will rescue their life from oppression and violence. Interesting. The word violence there is the Hebrew word the Arabic similar uh, cousin word, Hamas. Isn't that interesting? Hamas is a terrorist organization of violence to destroy the nation of Israel. And it says here that this righteous king, okay, glory to God, in the, in the form of David, will rescue their life from oppression and Hamas violence, terrorism. And their blood will be precious in his sight. So may he live and may the gold of Sheba be given to him. Verse 18 is beautiful. Blessed be the Lord God, the God of Israel, who alone works wonders. So if you want to get into the supernatural excitement of what God is doing, hallelujah. I'm not talking about some mystical program that you can't tell if the host is a believer or if he's uh, some mystical guru, okay? There seems to me, you know, you know, I have warning right now. I have warnings. You know, a lot of the Jewish believers I know got saved out of the hippie movement, got saved as hippies and drugs, and they were into Buddhism, Hinduism, every, every other type of weird thing. And they got born again out of that Jesus people movement in the 60s and 70s. And my concern is, is that we, you can't sit there and always be seeking signs and wonders because the devil will give you signs and wonders. Um, the purpose of signs and wonders, it's, you know, is to bring out the message of the cross. The purpose of sign and wonders is to bring people into a place of servanthood toward Jesus. Come on, hallelujah, are you out there? And it's in, we're not supposed to major and make TV shows and books and programs all about signs and wonders, okay? Signs and wonders are signs that point us where we're supposed to get. They're wonders to wake people up to point us toward the cross, toward Jesus. And, um, 
Come on, folks. It's the preaching of the cross. It's preaching of Jesus crucified and resurrected that draws all men. It's not the signs and wonders. Signs and wonders are just part of the equipment. Hallelujah. To preach the word of God. So let's get our focus on what God is saying in his word. And his word is saying here in Psalms about this righteous king in the prototype of David. That this king has tremendous compassion on innocent blood. And you think about innocent blood, we're talking about terrorism today, okay? We're talking about Hamas-style violence that is not just directed at Israel and the nation of Israel and us who live here in this tiny land bridge between Asia, Africa, and Europe, but we're talking about the Christian community, okay? We're talking about any person outside of Islam that they consider infidels, okay, that they will attack, And we're in that hour where Christians don't seem to have power. They seem to be wetting their diapers, so to speak. (laughs) They're trainers. They don't seem to have the power. They're always pleading Psalms 91, but Psalms 91 is not a bunker mentality. Psalms 91 is part of the protection for us to have an offensive-style Christianity. Too much defensive maneuvers going on, brothers and sisters. And we see if we want to do God's will in this hour, we're going to see that He is a warrior. He is a mighty one. Glory to God that is rising up to do battle against his enemies. And the final enemy is Hebrews chapter 2, the fear of death. And Jesus talks about he will give, he will praise and worship God with his brethren. And it says that he will put under their feet this final enemy, which is the fear of death. So the final enemy in this hour is terrorism. Terror, the fear of death. These people that are listening to these spirits of the underworld to bring terror to innocent people. This is the puppets of the Antichrist system. This is the movement of the false prophet from the dark underworld. And we wrestle not with flesh and blood, brothers and sisters. So we see here that God is very much moved to deliver those that are under this terrorism Hamas and the shedding of innocent blood, and says he'll give them provision. I have noticed in our ministry since we shifted gears and went after the underworld, the prince of the power of the air, hallelujah, to rescue people from the fear of terrorism, glory to God, that we have seen tremendous financial blessings come into this ministry, more than I could ever imagine. People and ministers that call us are just really just blown away by the amount of gifts and the amount of secret giving that's coming in from unknown partners, hallelujah. And to me, it's just parcel. It's just par for the course. I see exactly what's happening. That for whatever reason, God had hemmed me in to a situation where I used to travel throughout the North American church preaching a message of revival, but a message that most people wanted to hear. Okay? Splish splashing in the river, having fun, signs and wonders, okay, whatever. And I'm not saying anything's wrong with that. I'm just saying that we just sat around and just partied all the time, so to speak. And yes, people have a desire for souls, desire for people to be healed and all those things. But there was little effort going out against the underworld. And that's what I began to recognize that God wants us to go after the Pharaoh of this world system that's been defeated at the cross and rescue from him those whom he's enslaved. And this slavery is the fear of death. We began to see many miracles as we blow the shofar against terrorism. Now, my job is to raise you up. You know, in Hebrews chapter 11, it says here in verse, hallelujah, 33, who by faith conquered kingdoms, performed acts of righteousness, obtained promises, shut the mouths of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of a sword from weakness, were made strong, became mighty in battle, put foreign armies to flight. So we see here that the Hall of Fame of Faith, these Hebrew uh, uh, Israelites of Hebrews chapter 11, that they were the patriarchs, they were um, prophets, they were nobodies. They were widows, okay? People went about in goatskin, lived in holes and caves in the side of the mountain. Uh, but we see no kings here. Interesting. Now, why is that? It's because God never approved of the kingship monarchy system. If you go back, God told Samuel, the people have not rejected 
you, they rejected me in wanting a king. And so God gave him what they wanted, a big, tall, handsome warrior who had a prophetic anointing. His name was Saul. Shaul means to ask for something. They gave the, what the people asked. And God never again looked favorably and was pleased with his people. And the reason why is from then on, the monarchy system, we see nothing more but the prophets, the 8th, 7th century prophets coming and prophesying the destruction of Samaria, destruction of Jezebel and Ahab's kingdom, destruction, uh, whether it be Elisha, Elijah, Micah, Hosea, Isaiah, um, the destruction of, of Jerusalem. Why? It's because when the people decided they no longer wanted God to be their warrior, but they wanted a figurehead like the nations to be the warrior, the monarchy system. Um, God was very displeased. And he says in Hosea, I come to hate you at Gilgal. You think about it. What? God came to hate his people? Why at Gilgal? Because at Gilgal is where they anointed Saul to be their king. And this is where witchcraft entered in. This is where, you know, if you don't obey God in the Gethsemane appearance. Come on, say with me now. We're getting toward the anatomy of a counterstrike in just a second. This is where witchcraft, stubbornness, disobedience is witchcraft and divination. So I see it black and white. Either you're walking with God and you're obeying him out of a Gethsemane experience, not my will, your will be done, or you're walking in witchcraft, okay, and divination. Interesting, isn't it? Now, the people wanted a king, and God never again blessed him. Even David, before he was a king, was pleasing to God, but as soon as he became a king... He killed Uriah, Bathsheba's husband, who means the light of the Lord, the glory of the Lord, slept with Bathsheba. David never in his household, Absalom, etc., never recovered from that sin. What is it that what is the watershed moment? The watershed moment is when the people no longer wanted God told him to be judged, led, and shepherded by the judges. The judges are not lawgivers. It's the ancient Hebrew concept, shoftim, which means military champions. So God had raised up. When the people cried out, they were oppressed because of the Midianites, oppressed because the Egyptians, the Amalekites, the Philistines. God raised up. When God heard this innocent cry of blood, he raised up these righteous men and women, okay, whether it be Deborah, Yael, Barak, uh, Gideon, he raised up these shoftim, these judges who became military champions to put these terrorist armies to flight. And this is the whole background of Hebrews chapter 11. This is the faith that pleases God. It's a military faith. It's a warfare faith. It's a, it's a faith, glory to God, of being a soldier. Hallelujah. And what's so exciting about it, it's being in this place of justice. And you say, well, I, I can't get this idea of judges. What does it mean? Well, you know, we, we can see in Romans 13 hints of this system that Paul already understood. See, when Paul talks about in Ephesians 4, about he gave apostles and prophets and pastors and teachers, and he quotes before that Psalm 68 about Jesus ascending on high and giving gifts unto men, he's talking about the Shoftim. That's a direct quote from the judges from Deborah's Psalm. So when Paul understood that Jesus rose from the dead and gave gifts unto men, it's quoting directly from Psalm 68, which is a, um, which is a quotation also from Judges 7, he's thinking of this pattern of the the judges, okay, not thinking of kings or monarchs. You say, well, what about King James Version? It says in Revelation 1-6 that we are a kingdom of, uh, of priests and kings under God. It's a mistranslation. Remember, they are under the monarchy, 1611 King James Version. Understand what's happening, okay? In the original Greek, it never says kings. It says we are a kingdom of priests. There's only one king. And it's Jesus. And so what happens is um, the people, when they no longer want to serve God and go to battle, they automatically default into a selfish monarchy system where they want a monarchy type, a pastor prophet type to lead them. And they never reach maturity and never go to war. And that is part of the false church system. Now, I'm not saying Leaders out there that operate their churches are like that. Maybe they're moving toward that direction. But my job was to blow the trumpet and warn them that you need to get out of this UN man-pleasing style pulpit and begin to move more as a warrior, not being politically correct. 
okay, uh, saying it like it is and raising up warriors and not cons- you're not preaching for the crowds or for success or for your next best-selling book. You are preaching exactly what you want and you're going to war against the underworld and you're training people. You're not just teaching them about their destiny and how to get healed and prosper and all these um, selfish things. You're teaching them how to become deliverers. And these deliverers are team. So back to what I was saying, Romans 13 says that there are those who have an anointing that carry the sword, that God raised them up to execute vengeance on evildoers. There is an anointing upon the judicial branches of government. There is an anointing upon policemen. And district attorneys, or even that these people are not even saying, there was an anointing upon soldiers and armies to enforce righteousness. Now you take that same enforcement that a police officer does to keep anarchy and things going haywire and helter skelter, that same anointing that God gave him, that's that similar anointing of the judges, the deliverers, like, hallelujah, that go forth to take and put to flight in enemy armies. Hallelujah. Are you catching it? And God told David, when did I ever want a king? Since when, since I traveled in a tabernacle, when did I ever ask for anything different than the shepherds, uh, excuse me, the judges shepherding my people? So we see here that the best way to shepherd God's people is through these judges. And these judges are these rallying cries to rally the army of God to fight in this hour. Hallelujah. And that's what we see in Hebrews chapter 11. This Hebrew 11 hall of fame of faith. There's no kings mentioned. We're talking about people that are nobodies or patriarchs. Hallelujah. That wax strong in battle. And this is the kind of battle God wants us to do. So you say, what is the battle? God is hearing the cries of the people right now under the false prophet, prophetic system of materialism, of Islam, of false religions, of humanism, of narcissism, of self-worship, of the occult, you name it. People are, are crying out in this hour for help, and God wants to bring you and I as deliverers. Hallelujah. Glory to God. And that graduation ceremony where you get your special weapon is Gethsemane. Everything before then is just training to get you to that point where you finally say, Lord, not my will, your will be done. So we've been moving in this, and it's been pretty exciting. And uh, my job is to raise up some more warriors who do the same. Glory to God. So um, let me share with you George Orwell. He has a tremendous quote that he wrote about uh, out of England about 80 years ago. And he wrote, people sleep peacefully in their beds at night only because rough men stand ready to do violence on their behalf. Let me repeat that. People sleep peaceably in their beds at night because rough men stand ready to do violence on their behalf. That really capsulized what's been happening here. Last week, um, you know, we have certain connections with a lot of the special units and officers here. And it's really cool what God has opened up here and how we're able to minister to them, serve them. Uh, Some are getting saved. Some are being watered. Some are not open. But whatever ones are open, watered, or not open, they're all hearing the message. I'm warning them, like Zev Jabotinsky, okay? (laughs) Like I was going through Europe and Poland in the 1930s, warning them to get out of Europe. I'm warning them that there is a Gog-Magog war coming. And not one has rejected what I'm saying. They know, they can see the dark clouds on the horizon. There's a lot of fear, a lot of trepidation. Um, They know that what's coming next is a war that Israel has never seen before. A war, a ballistic war, a war of demonized armies. As they watch Obama's administration fall apart, the State Department fall apart, as they see uh, the, the deterrent that they have here as a strong military, not as strong. When they see our enemies, whether it be Iran, the Prince of Persia, Hezbollah to the north, Hamas to the south, Al-Qaeda infiltrating throughout Gaza. And now they found out that there was an Al-Qaeda cell here in Israel in Nazareth. Can you imagine that? Of all places, Nazareth, where Jesus is from, which is supposed to be a, a largely Christian Israeli-Arab city, has an Al-Qaeda cell? If that doesn't wake up believers... The very, the very home of Jesus is, was found out to have an Al-Qaeda cell, then we need to wake up in this hour. And that's what purpose of this broadcast. And so 
They know that there's a war coming. And the most beautiful way I have found to comfort God's people, whether these people are open or not, okay, our job is to comfort them here because not everybody's going to get saved. Not everybody, God, has removed the blinders. Only a remnant is getting saved right now. We're targeting that remnant. We're targeting the leaders within that remnant. And I think the people have the best character, the best uh, ability to lead Israel, hallelujah, to Jesus in the future are going to be these special forces officers and these soldiers who endure hardness, who are courageous. I'll all get out, hallelujah. And and serve one another, and uh, they have a certain makeup we call in Hebrew malacha aretz, which is uh, the salt of the earth makeup. And they're special people, and it's, they're going to be wonderful warriors and pastors and shepherds in the days ahead. Hallelujah! Uh, but they all agree with me. There's a gog magog war, and it doesn't matter how much money we pump into the Air Force, anti-missile system, how many new F-35s we get from America, uh, fighter planes, that we know without a doubt what's coming is a foreboding feeling. And what I say to comfort them is that I have victory over this prince of the power of the air, this demoness, this host of the devil. And I began to explain to them that from the underworld is Satan. It's a fallen world and it's manifesting through Nasrallah in the north. It's manifesting through Hamas and, and these demonized enemies. And no matter how much great technology we have to try to stop terror attacks. Now, what you have to understand is after 1973, after the Yom Kippur War, when the combined armies of Egypt, um, Syria, Iraq, Jordan, even Morocco, uh, superna- uh, supernaturally were inspired with just venomous anti-Semitism. Russia poured in the latest technology and hardware, tanks, missiles, SAM missiles, airplanes, um, and uh, anti-tank weapons, etc., into these just supernatural riotist episode of the Arab states around us. And they decided to launch a war, one of the greatest tank battles ever in the Golan and in the Sinai Peninsula. What inspired them was the destruction of Israel. What inspired them was, and they knew they would have massive casualties, but they did it, and it surprised Israel. Uh, it surprised the leaders of Israel, such a huge attack that happened. And it almost caught, um, destroyed the nation of Israel. It was, just, it was just a grace of God. A few tankers in the north were able to stem the flow of the first couple of days of the thousands of Syrians and hundreds and upon hundreds of tanks flooding into the Golan Heights on their way just a few minutes from getting to the, the waters of the, of the And you can read the history books about the Yom Kippur War. But what I want to bring out about this war is it really woke up the complacency of Israel. They had won in 1967, and they felt like they they had um, achieved this routing of the enemies. And uh, it's just amazing how Egypt and Syria went back and did their homework and attacked again. And really showed the vulnerable side of Israel. It was just God's grace that we were even able to win that war. But what I'm getting at is up until that time, it was conventional war. Now the Arab countries see that they cannot defeat Israel, especially with America's backing, conventionally with conventional armies. And so they have gone into an unconventional war of insurgency, okay, of terrorism. And that's what we've seen as broken out. Terrorism, suicide bombers, terror attacks against population centers, etc. And uh, the psychological weapon of that, and also the political weapon uh, going throughout the world now of the illegitimacy of Israel even being a nation. So we see that weighing upon Israel right now. And it is a supernatural war. It's a war that doesn't matter how many F-16s, F-15s, and new F-35s we have. There's not that same deterrent that Israel used to have militarily. So that brings in you and I. We need more of you to rise up. Come on, folks. You've been listening to 30, almost 38 minutes already to my voice, speaking to you, to encourage you, to give you an oil change here. We need spirit-filled believers, hallelujah, to rise up in this hour, to become judges, deliverers, hallelujah. And the way we can comfort the Jewish people is to proclaim them their sins are forgiven. Isaiah chapter 40, comfort ye, comfort ye, my people. And they proclaim to them through the blood of Jesus, their sins are forgiven. And second, we know how to still the avenger. We know how to bind the strong man. We know how to pull down, hallelujah, the principalities and powers, the rulers of the darkness of this age from the underworld 
whether it be organized crime, organized drug and prostitution, organized uh, um, weapons dealing, or how about this, the organized or disorganized different sects of terrorism. Hallelujah. And this, to me, is super, super exciting. So as we've been in Israel, God has opened all these amazing doors. Let me just read you a Haaretz.com article that happened uh, last week and just let you know the anatomy of a counter-strike. It says here, Gaza militants launch bomb attack against IDF patrol. Two bombs explode as army con- uh, convoy passes along Gaza border. No casualties. Uh, this was on uh, last week, the 14th of November. Now what happened was uh, two bombs were exploded along the Israel's border in the Gaza Strip by the army sappers. The explosions were targeted at passing uh, Israel defense forces. Um, Comprising paratroopers, armored and engineering, causing no casualties. Following the blast, the IDF helicopters were called in and are reported to have opened fire. Army patrols of the area later uncovered a third bomb, which IDF sappers destroyed by controlled explosion. Palestinian media reports that the Islamic Jihad militant group had claimed responsibility for the attack. Now, let me explain to you what happened. Um, I was invited by one of the secret counterterrorism units to go with them to the border on this Tuesday night, early Wednesday morning. Uh, there was a twofold purpose to go down there to see their unit in action, to meet the commanding officers, um, and uh, to do some of the stealth maneuvers we're doing with them. And second, also to drive a little bit further down, another 10 kilometers south, to visit my daughter, Deborah, who was doing her first guard duty at the Gaza Strip, and say hi to her and give her a big hug before we headed off to do some special shofar drive-bys down the Egyptian border on our way to Taba and Elat. And... As I arrived there, it was a very interesting situation. Um, the commander was super open. He was a lieutenant colonel, and I had forgotten to bring a jacket. I was getting a little chilly there at night as he was showing me around their new base they had just set up and actually took his jacket out of his his wardrobe closet and gave it to me and told me to wear it. And I had two falafels or two stars on my shoulder, and <laughs> I was like, wow, I'm a lieutenant colonel without ever going to officer school. And all the Israeli soldiers were trying to figure out who I was, and they're just it was just interesting to walk around as lieutenant colonel all night, glory to God. And he treated me as though I was a colonel, and he was began to show me the different tactics and he told me that um, their position on the border to think ahead of the terrorists, okay? Not just to react to what the terrorists do. And that's what many Christians are doing, the same thing. They're reacting to what the devil does, okay? The devil is probing. He's going about as a, as a ruthless lion seeking who may devour. He's probing your perimeter. And when he finds you have sinned in an area or you're discouraged or your walls of resistance in your mind are down, he'll, boom, attack there. And then your prayer life and your uh, Bible reading and your strategic uh, resistance against that as a result of a strike that he initiated that you did not initiate. Okay? Understand the anatomy of the situation. Satan is going about as a roaring lion. I asked this commander, um, is are the Islamic Jihad, the Hamas, these terrorists here at the Gaza Strip, right just, you know, just a couple hundred meters away from on the other side of the fence, are they, is there a certain time of year that they attack more? He says, it doesn't matter how searing hot it is, it doesn't matter how hot the fog is, how much rain is falling, whether it be Ramadan or not Ramadan, they are probing us all the time, looking to capture soldiers, to inflict damage, to do whatever they can to bring terror. Now understand, this is what he's dealing with in the natural, and if he's dealing with that in the natural, how much more in the supernatural is the enemy, which is not flesh and blood, is seeking to destroy and kill and rape and plunder. Are you with me, brothers and sisters? I know you are. And so in this anatomy, he began to describe to me as a commander, took me into his office and showed me the maps and began to, he was painting and placing red tape on different places on the map, geographical places like where the dry riverbeds were or bush or trees or areas along this long perimeter fence that was protecting the kibbutzim where he was thinking the next terror strike would come. He said he was not waiting for the terrorists to come. He was two, three, four, five steps ahead thinking what they were thinking. Where would they go next? What would they try to do next? Okay? And um, you have to understand, it is a very serious situation. 
and he told me, I make one mistake, they'll ship me out and put me in some supply hut duty as a lieutenant colonel somewhere in Tel Aviv, and my career will go downhill from there. I am here not just to try to get another star. That's not my purpose. My here is to protect Israel, and we will strike if we have to. And it's very interesting how he was describing to me the rules of engagement. And uh, again, brothers and sisters, I felt like I was not just on the front line, but I was on the front line of East versus West, versus Judo-Christianity versus demonized Islam. This is the war. This is the exact line. Israel represents democracy, represents the West, represents America's and Canadian and uh, European interests, okay? And we're right there, and these are the young men and women. They took me into different places at the base, which I can't share here, and began to show me the different electronic countermeasures, the different electronic reconnaissance things they use. And I was just amazed. He said, we have the most advanced uh, new electronic counterterrorism stuff anywhere in the world. We're using it right here on this base. And as we went around, he then took me to another base down the line to show me some new soldiers that had just come in that were uh, training and how they look for explosives. And these men, their faces were not just filled with fear, they were filled with trepidation. And they worked as a team and with seriousness and a soberness, okay, because they knew the seriousness of the situation, even though they were training on the Israeli side. And I just began to get illustrations and encouragement and exhortations to say the same thing to to you, the army of God. He then told me, he says, we need to rest for just a couple hours because we have some very interesting developments that just happened when you got here. And you say, well, what do you mean just got here? I have noticed that wherever we go, you know, it's God walking inside of us that wherever we go, something happens. It's not me. I'm just a mobile tabernacle. It's him in me. Hallelujah. He's walking through us. And we were placed there. God opened up the doors. God supernaturally brought us there. Just happened at the same time that the terrorists were putting these three bombs on the fence. Okay. To kill innocent Israeli soldiers. So we were there, and I knew right away. He told me there were some bombs we found. Uh, We need to get two hours of rest, and we need to get up, and we need to go and take them out into Gaza. And I began to intercede. Hallelujah. And this supernatural anointing. I'm talking about an anointing that is stronger than any anointing when I lay hands on the sick, when I've seen blind eyes open, when I've seen three people raised from the dead in our ministry, okay, the last 20 years, when we lay hands on people and feel the glory of God touch them, and they're filled with the Holy Ghost. I'm talking about a supernatural anointing that supersedes that maintenance gifts to bless and encourage and help people. I'm talking about a supernatural battle anointing. May it come through this microphone. Hallelujah. Through your computer and touch you. Hallelujah. What am I saying? These young men and women, these Israelis, okay, they... People in Tel Aviv and in Jerusalem and other parts of Israel sleep peaceably in their beds at night because rough men stand ready to do violence on their behalf. These are, and that's what you have to switch in your mind. God is a God of violence. God is love. But our definition of love is not his definition. Look at the Bible. Don't just read just parts of it, okay? And think God is just, just God is love. And what if your image of love is this big loving father? Come on. He's not just a loving father. He is the Lord of the armies of heaven. And he came in his son as a suffering servant. He's coming back as a reigning military hero, folks. He's coming back to vanquish his enemies. Let God arise. Let his enemies be splattered and scattered. And that's what we're moving into. We're talking about righteous violence against those who bring violence against innocent blood. And this is what he wants to raise you up as. Come on. This is where you're going to find your destiny. This is where you're going to find your fulfillment. This is where you're going to find heaven's best for your life, the provision, all these other things. Hallelujah. In going and rescuing people. Hallelujah. As you draft behind the master to do violence on his behalf. Glory to God. What do you think vi- the, the kingdom of God suffers violence? I don't see these people on the on preachers on the TV preaching violence like this. I just see him preaching just this 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 way the poo message. Okay, come on. I got people calling me here as I'm talking. Come on, I'm not gonna be interrupted, so don't you be interrupted listening. Right now, brothers and sisters, we've got to do violence, the violent take it by force. 
And his violence is against the underworld. We don't wrestle with flesh and blood, Ephesians 6 says. Okay, we put on the full armor of God. What, for defensive maneuvers? No, to speak the rhema, the word of God, and to put the enemy flight, to set the prisoners free. And here, rough men train hard. He was talking about how he oversees his three kids. Okay, and he actually lives in, this commander lives in the same city I live in. He's hardly ever here. He's going from the north, the south, whatever, taking care of these terrorists. And he's ready to do violence on our behalf. Hallelujah. We sleep peaceably because there's rough men. Now, we thank God for the military. We thank God for all the militaries. Glory to God that are doing the righteous thing to help and serve their countries. But we are against the evil. We are against these demon-possessed that are using military weapons to inflict damage against Israel, against America, and other allies. Brothers and sisters, God wants to raise you up. And so as I began to pray in the Spirit, I just saw this supernatural hand of God move, and the whole thing was taken care of as the Howard's.com article I just wrote to you. It was taken care of on the spot. They were able to locate the, the, the bombs. They were able to use a, a certain electronic device to melt its uh, trigger device. Hallelujah. They were defused. And they were also able to track down those terrorists. Glory to God. And, as, and yesterday, uh, they were able to take out two more of the Al-Qaeda terrorists who they found out. So, brothers and sisters, we're talking about supernatural reconnaissance, supernatural modain, supernatural protection. Let me read this again. People sleep peacefully in their beds at night only because rough men stand ready to do violence on their behalf. Hallelujah. So as we see the cataclysmic breakdown of the entire structure of planet Earth in these last days, God is raising up his army to do battle before he returns. Hallelujah. And you can always do a self-check. If you're one of those people, you're not sure if you're called to be a warrior or not, or you have, you have debilitating fear that hamstrings you, you always know when you are not perfected in the love walk, when you know how much he loves you and how much you love him. Because First John 4 says, when, when perfect love, hallelujah, blameless, pure love, cast out all fear. Same word to cast out demons, to cast out the spirits of the Antichrist in First, First John 4, 4 is the same word that cast out this fear. So if you have lingering fear, lingering hesitation, lingering confusion, uh, lingering um, man-pleasing spirit, whatever, fear of man, fear of people, then you know you're not perfected in this love. And so what you do is you spend time in his presence. You spend time loving him. You spend time worshiping him. There's, but there's more. To cross that zone, hallelujah, into this perfected pure love is to love him so much you say, Lord, not my will, your will be done. And the supernatural engagement will happen. A supernatural infilling of boldness, a supernatural fearlessness rises up with you. And I felt it again. It comes into play all the time now against terrorism events, standing there at the border fence, looking into Gaza with this most elite military unit in the world, hallelujah, and prophesying to the fence, prophesying into the dark abyss, unknown, that you know there's a foreboding evil. The spirit, the fear of death is everywhere. The soldiers are debilitated by it. The soldiers are trying how to deal with it. The civilian population is petrified by it. And stand there at the border and prophesy, hallelujah. And the miracle happens. I see it with my own eyes. You can read about it in the newspapers later. But my job here is not to blow my own horn, brothers and sisters. It's to raise up you to be these end-time warriors. Glory to God. Hallelujah. To take on all forms of terror in your neighborhood, in your sectors of responsibility. Glory to God. To get you out of thinking my life, my prosperity, my healing, my ministry, my this, okay? And to get to a place where you go overboard, in blowing open a new type of ministry, hallelujah, the ministry of the Shoftim, the ministry of the judges, to do counter-terrorism. That's the anatomy of a counter-strike, hallelujah. We're counter-striking. This is the anatomy lesson, hallelujah. 
<laughs> of being a ruthless, rough, violent man or woman to seize the kingdom in this hour. Hallelujah. To put the enemy to flight. Glory to God. And this is what you need to feed on in this hour. Glory to God. Why? Because at this moment, God is raising up his supernatural end time house and all the gold and silver is his glory to God and the wealth and the desire of all nations will come into this house of glory says the Lord of hosts which is the Hebrew word Adonai Tzvot, the Lord of the armies of heaven <laughs> hallelujah this is where we're heading brothers and sisters glory to God hallelujah great talking to you this hour I pray this broadcast just fires you up to get to that place this mysterious zone of Gethsemane, hallelujah, that will cause you to become, do counter-strikes against terrorism of all forms in this hour. Pretty exciting what's going on. We've been doing this for um, a little bit over three years in Israel. We want to thank all of our friends and partners that believe in what we're doing, that are being led by the Spirit, to understand that we are stealth in this. I've been given certain information. I've been certain places. I'm in certain communication, and I cannot share those things because of the security of Israel. So therefore, we are a stealth operation. Hallelujah. And we come up for every once in a while, glory to God, and say, hey, guys, this is where you can do a supply drop right here. And we want to thank you for that. Hallelujah. We envision a buying a piece of land here. And building out a underground training center and above ground would be like a Marriott Suites, Homewood Suites type um, small building where we can house you to come over here. Hallelujah. And it will just it's just taking one point three million dollars to put that together. And we thank you for being generous in that amount. Hallelujah. Also supply drops for us to um, take care of the practical needs here. We thank you for that. And also we have some new projects which we cannot list for certain of these units and um, we want to continue blessing them glory to god why but acts of kindness open eyes of blindness hallelujah i remember seeing this lieutenant colonel as i gave back his jacket as i had to head back into the civilian world and as i was leading that elite unit on the border of gaza leaving and seeing the armored columns going in seeing the reconnaissance, seeing all the different technical advisors and officers, the sappers, the units, the ground troops, the Air Force, all that was involved. The Lieutenant Colonel looked at me with a look of love, appreciation, but also a longing of, I want you to come back. I want to be your friend. There's something about you, Scott, that I like. And I looked at his eyes, and I knew that very few people in Israel understand really what he does. I understand. The other officers with him understand. We want to help them. We want to bless them. We want to encourage them. Hallelujah. It was like he just, it's like taking the thorn out of the paw of the lion and the lion becomes your best friend the rest of your life. This is what it's like. They love us. They've given us supernatural favor into their lives to help, to assist. And even more, whether they know Jesus or not, some are hearing, others don't understand and are blinded, others are rejecting. It's okay. But one thing that binds us all together in unity is there's something with Shlomo and the Shofar and Dalit that these guys are fearless. There's some type of power. There's some type of power that's in him. That we want. And this is what's provoking the Jews to jealousy. This is the sign and wonders to bring them in. Come on, brothers and sisters, let's graduate to this next level. Let's go to this next level of maturity. I would love to see the entire revival, renewal crowd, so to speak, get flushed of all this mystical prophesying and start going and prophesying and living there where the rulers of the underworld have oppressed the innocent. Hallelujah. And bring deliverance to the captives. Pretty exciting, isn't it? Glory to God. So, anyway. Out of that, um, one of our third, fourth ministries down the list here is uh, doing these Ironman triathlon competitions. And so I had injured myself a little bit. I had tripped on a step and pulled a little bit of a uh, muscle inside my thigh. And so I wasn't sure if I was even going to be able to do this race. It was the Israeli championship in a lot and the European Cup. Olympic distance, which is a 1,500-meter swim in the open water. 40 kilometers on the bike and a 10-kilometer run, 
all out as fast as you can. Zone four and five, heart rate zone. And, you know, in the season, I wasn't really excited about going down there and suffering anymore. But the Lord says, go. I says, Lord, but my leg is injured. I need to rest and take it easy. Been doing so many races this year. He said, no, I want you to go. I have something for you. So I went down there and I was able to hammer out a time being injured. Get this. Uh, top 10 in, in Israel in my category. I was placed number nine. And um, just, again, a sign of wonder to many of these guys, these commanders. They're just blown away. One tank commander in charge of a whole division of tanks. He was there and he says, wow, that's an awesome time you did, Scott. And I just said, you know, I'm injured a little bit, but didn't do as good as I could have. And so this is the sign and wonders that's just blowing them away. They're like, wow, what is this power this guy has? And I just smile and, you know, talk about Jesus and his spirit and him risen from the dead. Hallelujah. How there's a lot more like me that want to bless Israel, that you're not alone in this battle. Hallelujah. And you say, why has this become so popular? Well, you know, jogging, running, swimming. But to do this competition to endure, to build the character within you, not to give up, to be exhausted. This endurance sports fits the very ethnos of this nation. It's a great training tool for special forces, for officers, for the people here, hallelujah, to be ready for any situation, to press through the wall of not just a marathon race, but endurance, cycling, and swimming. And uh, I'm just really thankful to God to take this American couch potato, calls me to lose weight, eat healthy, hallelujah, and just supernaturally invigorate me to be a sign and wonder to this community. Hallelujah. I'm pretty excited about it. So anyway, everybody's doing well, Dalit. Uh, we've sewed our family into uh, serving for counterterrorism. Our oldest son is in a special unit, and our daughter just got into the Air Force. Hallelujah. So... We are, we're happy and we're very, very excited how God is opening doors. It hasn't been easy. There's been a lot of persecution, a lot of situations here that just make you, make you wonder if people even have brain tissue and the way they drive and the bureaucracy here. But overall, we see, you know, this is a place that God has gathered Jewish people from all over the world. Even when you have 10 Jews, you have 11 opinions. And we're here and nations don't want us here the muslims don't want us here but we're here and god is protecting this land hallelujah and i just consider it a great honor to be sent by you guys by your love for israel your love for the land your love for the covenant promises the love god has given you for the jewish people and to send us here with your love your prayer and your in your offerings and to use this you guys are the shaft of the spear and we are the spear tip to pierce the darkness, hallelujah, to go where no man has gone before and in a fishing hole that's not been fished in before. Hallelujah. Well, that's a quick update. And that's a little encouragement there of anatomy of a counter-strike. Go out and counter-strike the enemy strongholds, rescue prisoners. Until we see you again, Mega and Rav Shalom. Bye-bye. Thank you for being a part of Rivers in the Desert International, listening to our message today to you. Perhaps you have a friend, perhaps yourself are sitting there and wondering, where would I go if I died today? We'd like to give you a great privilege of praying with us and leading you to a knowledge of Jesus the Messiah.
The Bible says if any man or woman would call upon the name of Jesus, they would be saved. The Greek word for saved is healed, delivered. It's a wonderful promise. You're there now in your automobile, perhaps at home listening. Go ahead and pray this prayer with me. Say, Dear Father, I ask you in the name of Jesus to forgive me of my sins. The Bible says if anybody would call upon your name, they would be saved. I'm calling today, Lord, save me, forgive me, cleanse me, take all of my sins and cast them into the sea of forgetfulness. Father, I'm coming, running home to you now. In your name I pray, amen. If you'd like to contact us in our ministry, you may do so by writing us at Rivers in the Desert, P.O. Box 2788 in Alpharetta, Georgia, 30023 in the United States of America. Our ministry phone number is 770-777-0143. Of course, you can reach us anytime, 24-7, at our website contact page at www.flashfloods.com. Looking forward to hearing from you. We are here to help equip you to be tactical warriors in this hour, to wake up this church, to win and disciple lost souls, and to take out terrorism of all forms. God bless you. I'm looking forward to hearing from you. Shalom, shalom. Shalom.